so I will say some of you can sing. You guys can sing. So can you guys thank our worship team? Appreciate them so much. It's incredible. Awesome. I, I, I heard some voices out here that kind of rivaled, I think, Rosalie's. So I need to get you signed up. I need to get you signed up. So I know it wasn't mine. So it's got to be somebody, somebody in here. Uh, well, I'm excited today uh, we get to finish up a series we've been in for the last couple of weeks called Mindset. And uh, the subtitle of this series is called uh, Take Every Thought Captive. Take Every Thought Captive. And it comes from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Uh, this verse says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to, obedient to Christ. Can you guys say that verse with me? It says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There truly is a battle going on in our minds. And it's a battle that's important to win. It's for ideas and thoughts and beliefs. It's one that we can and we must win in Jesus Christ. Uh, How important is this battle? I want to give you a little bit of an example. So as I was studying for this message, I did a little bit of research on uh, the Great Wall of China. Don't ask me how that popped up in my head or on my my newsfeed. I'm not really sure. But uh, the Great Wall of China, some interesting statistics. You know, there's this wall that wraps around the country of China. And uh, it's 13,000 miles long. How long is it from Detroit to, to uh, Orlando? Anybody know? Ten, a little more than 10, yeah, but uh, like 11, 12, 1,200 miles, somewhere in there. So about 13 times the distance from here to Disney. Uh, that's a long ways. Um, it cost about $85 billion to build, and it took about a million laborers to build it. So one of the questions that I had was, over the course of the history of this, this wall, before modern weaponry, were any armies able to breach this, this fortress around China? Do you guys know the answer to this? The answer is not in the traditional way of breaking down the walls. No armies were ever able to successfully break down the walls and break through. But several armies were able to breach the Great Wall of China. Do you guys know how? by bribing the gatekeepers. $85 billion, a million laborers, and all it took was a 20 (laughs) to get in. Isn't that crazy? I believe that our mind is the same exact way, right? That God has invested so much into us, that God loves us so much, that he has a plan for our lives, and our mind is the gatekeeper. And all the enemy has to do is bribe the gatekeeper and slide in. That's exactly what we're looking at in our passage today in Matthew chapter 4. So if you guys have your Bibles, would you guys take those and open with me to Matthew chapter 4. And uh, tech team, if we could have a little bit of house lights, that would be fantastic. And so we've been looking at this passage, and we have a gift from God, not only just in God's word, but from this passage. Because this passage gives us a glimpse, a window into how the enemy comes after us and tempts us, and then also how Jesus responds. So isn't this really cool? Like we get to have on replay how Jesus handled the attacks of the enemy. Isn't that awesome? You can say yes to that. You guys can agree with me on that. That's okay. I would love to know that I'm speaking to somebody in the room (laughs) and you guys are interacting with me. Um, So I'm so excited to be sharing this message with you guys. So the problem that we're going after to try to solve today is this problem, and I want to see if you can relate to this. Sometimes I feel spiritually weak. Anybody else? Sometimes I feel spiritually weak. I hope it doesn't weird you out to hear your pastor say that. 
Uh, it's just the honest truth. We can all relate to that. At times, I feel spiritually weak. At times, I feel discouraged. At times, I lack drive or spiritual passion. At times, I feel disconnected from God. I think we can all relate to this, and it's important to understand that it can lead to devastating effects if we don't address it or know how to work through it. So I want to try to give us some foundation today uh, for this problem. So Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 11. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, not enough of you are ready. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. (laughs) We need to work on that a little bit more, but that's okay. You're doing okay. You're here. I love that. You're present. All right, so here's what God's word says. Matthew 4, verses 8 through 11. It says again, so this is the third time that the devil came to Jesus to tempt him. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He's kind of dangling things in front of Jesus. He said, all this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, what did he say? Away from me, Satan. That doesn't sound very nice. Away from me, Satan, for it's written that worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I love this passage. I love that we see Jesus, how we see Jesus interacting with with Satan. I love this passage. So in this passage, the enemy is tempting Jesus to take a shortcut to the glory that Jesus will one day have. Make sense? He's he's saying, I want to give all this to you. And Jesus is like, it's already mine. Uh, I just got to wait a little while for it, right? It's my victory, but it hasn't been finalized just yet. But the enemy appeals to Jesus' pride, the temptation to take his life into his own hands and speed up the process and have it now. Jesus recognizes this, that this is a trap toward idolatry. And he says, no, I'm going to choose to worship God and God alone and not myself. We're tempted every single day, all of us are, to worship ourselves instead of worship God. Um, Let me ask you a question. Are you worshiping yourself or are you worshiping God? So one of the ways that we could tell, if all you ever do are things that you want to do, you're probably worshiping yourself and not God. Make sense? So there's times when God tells me to do something and prompts me to do something, or God's word instructs me to do something, and I don't always want to do it. Anybody else? Jury duty. Jury duty, yeah. (laughs) Right? And if all you ever do are things that only you want to do, it's a pretty good sign that you're worshiping yourself instead of worshiping God. So what I want to focus on today is how Jesus interacts with the devil. Jesus said to him very clearly, what did he say? He said, away from me, Satan. I talked about a few weeks ago how basically this is the one time, this is the one person you can say, go to hell. All right, I I promise I won't keep repeating that phrase, although it feels very good. Uh, I won't won't keep doing that um, because there's young people in the room and so on. But this is the one case you can do that. So here's what we notice about Jesus. Jesus interacts with Satan with what I would describe as spiritual authority. That Jesus addresses the enemy very directly and with power and authority. Let me ask you a question. Why does Jesus interact with Satan this way? What are your thoughts? Because Jesus is the boss. I like that. Yes, true. Why? Why else do you think Jesus interacts with Satan this way? Let me ask you a question. Do you ever interact with Satan this way? It's a little bit of a tough question, right? 
One of the reasons Jesus interacts with Satan this way is because Jesus recognizes that sometimes you have to play hardball with the enemy. And the truth is, Jesus interacts with Satan this way because he actually does have spiritual authority over Satan, right? God said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. That Jesus has authority over the enemy. Spiritual authority, make sense? So Jesus interacts with him this way because it's exactly the authority that Jesus has. So if you were to put Jesus and Satan in a cage match, or MMA, what's, what's your fighting of choice? Anybody? Tackle football? MMA? All right. If you were to match, if you had two opposing teams, one was Satan and one was Jesus, guess who wins every single time? The answer is Jesus. Okay, come on, people. The answer is Jesus. You could answer that one with your, your eyes closed, okay? The answer is Jesus. Uh, Jesus wins. We see Jesus doing this again later on in the book of Matthew, Matthew 16, verse 23. Uh, Peter is talking to Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you don't want to, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do that. That's a horrible idea, Jesus. Don't do that. And here's how Jesus answered him. Jesus turned and said to Peter, what? Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So I don't think Jesus was calling Peter Satan, but he's calling what Peter was suggesting an enemy to Jesus' own soul and God's plan. So Jesus recognizes that there are times when he has to play hardball with the devil. I wonder if there are times that we need to as well. And I wonder if we are equipped to be able to do that. Do you think there's ever times when we should play hardball with the devil? Yes or no? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. There are times, and my question is, are you equipped to do that? Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to go toe-to-toe with your spiritual enemy? And are you ready to do that? So here's, if I were to boil today's message down into a nutshell, the thing I want you to take with you is this, that I believe, and the truth is that Scripture teaches that God has given us everything we need to be spiritually strong in Jesus Christ. That's a good time for a collective amen, all right? that God has given us everything we need to be spiritually strong in Jesus Christ. That's the truth that I want to lodge itself in your heart and mind today. Um, So years ago, before our church um, ever had a home, uh, and before we even barely had a church name, uh, we were looking for a place to meet. And so oftentimes churches will talk to schools, and schools oftentimes is a great place for churches to, to get started. But we didn't have a place to meet yet as a church. And so I was looking around at different schools, and this was back in the day when Seneca Middle School, which is at 21 Mile in Heidenreich, uh, was brand new. It was being built that spring and summer. It hadn't hadn't even opened for school yet. Uh, Seneca was actually currently meeting at their old facility at 19 Mile and Romeo Plank, which is now the Chippewa Valley Freshman Center. And so I dropped in, I said hi to the principal and just met with them said, hey, I know your school isn't even open yet, uh, but I'm the pastor of a church that doesn't exist yet. Uh, <laughs> would you let us, you know, meet and plan to, to meet in your school when that opens up in the fall? So he, he got back to me a couple days later. He said, he said, absolutely. There was one problem. We'd never been in the school yet to see if it would work for our needs. So uh, we figured it probably would, but we needed to get in and take a look. But probably it was summertime, and we couldn't get in. So sometimes you guys know how it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I put on my best pair of khakis (laughs) and my best button-up shirt. I actually tucked my shirt in, all right? 
And I, I grabbed the clipboard for no apparent reason, just grabbed the clipboard and a pen. And I found on the back of the school, I found a construction entrance that had been propped open by one of the maintenance workers. I was like, here's my opportunity. <laughs> there have been several times when, when many of you should have had to come bail me out of jail. But uh, okay, anyway, uh, we've all, we joked that it's not an evident party until the police show up. Uh, it's, it's, anyway, ask me about that sometime. But um, so I, gra- I grabbed my cl- I just want to, kn- to look like I, like I knew what I was doing. So I grabbed the clipboard and a pen, like walking around like, uh-huh, yep, that looks good. Yep, great, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I needed to see the inside. So I, I literally, we have pictures right now from that little, little trip of mine. Here's a picture of the auditorium. The lights were all off. I couldn't find out how to turn the lights on. Uh, that was the auditorium space. Here's some pictures of the hallways. And if you were with us in any of these early days, you recognize these pictures uh, Jason, you'll recognize, that's where we met for a while. You're, this next picture is a picture of the science room. We had to move all those tables every single Sunday. And uh, that was our kid's space right there. So this was where we met in the early days, but we had to get an idea of what was there. So I, I walked in and like I, like I owned the place, right? Like I knew what I was doing. I figured that was the best way. Now, I, here's the honest truth. I didn't see another soul the entire time I was walking. It's like the Holy Spirit just like, it made me invisible and I got to walk around the building. And I took all the pictures that we needed, and I slid out that back door and <laughs> got in my car, and I went home and said, thank you, God, right? Uh, it was awesome. But I walked around like I owned the place. And I think that we need to recognize that by faith, in Jesus' name, I and you as well do have authority over the enemy. That in Christ, we can also walk around like Jesus with spiritual authority over the enemy that you also have what Jesus has because of what Christ has done for you. Um, a couple years ago, um, I was going through a season where, um, again, feeling, feeling spiritually weak, and I had the opportunity to take something called a sabbatical. You guys have heard me talk about this. God's done some amazing things in my life through these seasons. Well, um, leading up to that, I went to a, uh, a denominational conference, and they had a worship concert, and I went there. It was an amazing time. And uh, while I was there, I feel like, I, I guess um, I, had a, I could see God. I, I had a picture of God that was very overwhelming. When you're in God's presence, like maybe our worship experience just a few minutes ago, it's powerful, isn't it? And so um, I just had this moment where I just said, God, you're so amazing. Um, somebody needs to tell other people about how amazing you are. He's like, well, Josh, that's your job. Yep, you get to do that. I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. You're, you're the smart one. I get it. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, as clear as day, I feel like God said to me, Josh, you're selling your birthright. It is this clear, this phrase, almost as if it was audible, Josh, you are selling your birthright. And I didn't have any reason for that to be a prompt in my mind other than God. And it's a reference to an Old Testament passage. You may recognize that phrase. Old Testament passage between uh, Jacob and Esau. They're two brothers. Uh, Esau is the older brother. Jacob is the younger brother. And in, a, in, the, in Old Testament times, there were two different blessings, two, two different things. There's called the birthright, and there's called the blessing. The oldest son had the opportunity at both of those if that was the father's wish. So the blessing had to do with physical inheritance. So when the father passed away, all the physical inheritance went to one of the sons, uh, most often the oldest. And the, but the, the, uh, the birthright was different. The birthright had to do with leadership. So if the father passed away, then the next oldest son was in charge of leading the family. Make sense? But in a moment of exhaustion and weakness, Esau sells his birthright to his brother Jacob for a bowl of soup. 
I hope it was really good. And as soon as he did that, he immediately regretted what he had done. So God said to me, Josh, you're selling your birthright. So what does that mean for us in a New Testament, like New Covenant kind of thing? And the birthright in our times, in our sense, is, is a place of spiritual leadership that God gives to us. That we are, in Christ, sons and daughters of God, and we have every spiritual blessing, every spiritual right as sons and daughters of God. You guys tracking with me so far? So, um, in Christ, we have that same birthright. We have the same favor and authority and power and dominion over spiritual darkness in and because of Jesus Christ. So, I was walking around weak when, in, in truth, in Christ, I am spiritually strong. So, right now, I stand before you as someone who has spiritual authority over the enemy. Believe me? <laughs> Do you believe? It's true, because that's what God has done. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of God's grace and my faith in Jesus Christ, and yours as well. I was walking around defeated when, in, in truth, in Christ, I am victorious. So let me share a couple ways that this should be reflected in our lives. If this is true, here's a couple ways this should be reflected in your life. Number one, this should be reflected in how we pray. Hebrews 4.16. Can you guys say this verse with me? It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So let me ask you, do your prayers reflect the fact that you have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ? When you pray, are you shaking walls with your prayers? I think many of us, myself included, we pray very simple, very weak prayers. God, please keep me safe. God, please bless these donuts I'm about to eat, right? <laughs> We play, pray the same safe, simple prayers when in reality we have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ. I've been really challenged lately to make prayer my first reaction and not my last resort. So lately, if you text me or if you tell me about something you're going through, you better be careful what you say because I'm going to pray for you right then, all right? I'm going to say, hey, can we pray right now? Or I'll text you back, hey, can, let me, let's pray about it. I'll actually text out a prayer to you. Because that, I think we need to be challenged to be praying first, don't we? If we really believe what we're talking about today, that we have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ, we would pray first. So I've been challenged to do that. Um, James 5 talks about, if any of you are sick, gather the elders together and pray and anoint them with oil. I, I was praying with somebody recently and after one of our services, and uh, I was like, oh, hey, I've got some anointing oil uh, back in my office. Let me go grab that. And then we'll come and pray with you. We got to pray with this person. But I felt convicted. Like, Josh, if you really believe this, why don't you have your anointing oil with you on a regular... Does that make sense? I know this may sound weird to you, but it's what Scripture teaches. And so, uh, Amazon. <laughs> Just some anointing oil you can get on Amazon, like I said. It's, I don't know. It's not magic. But, but Scripture says that, that we do this in faith... And pray. Do we pray bold prayers? Do you pray bold prayers? Do you believe that we have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ? Is that reflected in how you pray? Um, as a church, we have church-wide prayer gatherings once a month on the third Thursday. Thank you, Pastor GJ. Third Thursday of every month at 7, at 7 o'clock. 
uh, we get together to pray. And we were talking about it this past uh, couple weeks, this past week as a staff. Uh, it's summertime, people are busy. Should we keep doing this for the summer? And what do you think we decided? Yes. Absolutely yes. But it was tempting because it's like, oh, we're busy. We got a lot going on. It's like, no, this has to happen. We must come together to pray, especially in this season. The enemy is going to attack us in so many crazy ways as we're stepping out in faith as a church. And as, as walls are going up, the enemy is going to try to come in and bribe the gatekeepers, right? We're praying against this. So yes, we are gathering still throughout the summer. So are you committed to prayer? So grab your calendar, July 15th. You think I'm kidding. July 15th at 7 o'clock, we have a great time of worship together. We have a great time of prayer together. Where will you be on July 15th at 7? We come together, let's, let's come together and pray and seek God. I want to ask you to, to be there with us as we do this. Number, number two, this should be reflected in how we share our faith. If we really believe that we have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ, we don't need to be embarrassed or, or weak in sharing our faith with people. Um, I love this part in Acts chapter 3. Um, Peter uh, and one of the, some of the disciples are actually uh, heading to, to worship, and there's this guy who is not able to walk, and he's asking for money. And here's their response, Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, Peter said, silver or gold have I not, or I do not have, <laughs> but what I do have, I give you. It sounds like, like the beginning of a joke, right? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what does he say? Walk. I'm going to give you something far better than the money that you're asking for. I'm going to give you Jesus. So do, is this reflected in how we share our faith? And then number three, this should be reflected in how we serve and handle crisis. John 10, 13 says, Greater love has known than this that he lay down his life for his friends. So do you walk in a way that reflects security and confidence that you have in Jesus as you go through life? So, what I want to do is I want to talk for a few minutes then about practical application. If this is true, if God has given you everything you need to be strong spiritually, then how do we apply this? I'm going to give you one practical takeaway. It's this. I want to challenge you, as Jesus did, to use Scripture as a weapon against the enemy. If he were to come at you right now, how would you fight back? You'd be like, no, Oprah says this, Satan, get away. I thought it was funny. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> How would you fight back? You'd be like, no, this is what God says. This is exactly what Jesus does, right? Every time, three times the enemy comes to Jesus, he's like, nope, this is what God says. You need to fight back with the word of God. Do what Jesus did. Take a page out of his playbook and quote scripture. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you put scripture to memory? You're like, wait, no, 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 Satan, wait one second, one second, Satan, I gotta look this up, one second, you gotta look it up. When's the last time you committed some of God's word to memory? Uh, every year, um, or most years, I lead a men's mentoring group, and a part of that process is that we are challenged to memorize scripture together. So we meet once a month, we have one verse per month, and so we get together, and as soon as we get together, all the guys are like, we gotta get it out of the way. But it feels kind of childish, but we actually go around the room and each guy says their memory verse. And then we give them a sticker. No, I'm just kidding. Not about the sticker part. <laughs> kidding about the sticker part. <laughs> you guys want stickers? You guys in the group? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. 
<laughs> we'll get stickers. But it's so important, right? It's so key that we're memorizing the Word of God and putting those things in our toolbox, in our arsenal. Um, Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word, God, in my heart, that I might not sin against you. When you face temptation, the word of God can come to your mind to help you in that moment to fight back. Ephesians 6, 14 to 17 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What does it say? Which is the word of God. Scripture becomes that weapon, that shield, that sword. It's like putting up a defense. So let me give you a couple of practical ways or examples of how I've seen this played out in my own life and other people's lives. So there have been moments in my life when I have felt spiritually weak. In one of those seasons, God gave me two uh, specific scripture verses, and God has used those for the season of my life to give me strength. One of them is Hebrews 10.39. It says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I like that because it talks about not retreating, right? We are not of those who shrink back, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. The second one is 2 Timothy 1.7. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So I've been challenged to commit these verses to memory as a foundation for my soul and for my life. I have talked to people who say that they can't memorize Scripture. But I call, I call bull on that. Right? Uh, these same people that, and I won't mention names. I want to protect the anonymity here. But these same people could tell me every single team that won the World Series for the past 75 years. So I've seen it in action. You can memorize. Whatever you commit yourself to, you can memorize. And you can remember God's word. So let me give you another example. So my wife, Ray Lynn, um, has been working with uh, another person here at our church. Her name is Maureen. And they found something called Dwell. And Dwell is like a monthly subscription, of course it is, uh, where you can pay a few bucks a month and they will send you a monthly Bible verse uh, to memorize and all kinds of tools to help you do it. So I thought rather than me telling you about it, we would actually have Maureen come and tell you about it. So could you, could you guys welcome Maureen Mulder? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So usually I hide in this back corner. Or I'm helping with K-Kids, so this is a lot of a, a different view, I should say, for me. So I'm really excited to share with you a little bit uh, about Dwell. Um, my name is Maureen. Like Pastor Josh had said, I do consider myself um, a, a blessed wife and a busy mama. So when Raylan introduced me to this idea and this commitment that we were going to do a whole year of learning scripture, I honestly kind of chalked it up to be like another line on my list, something else I just had to accomplish and shove into my day. Uh, but I did have the desire in my heart, so I signed up for the subscription, and the first month came, this little yellow envelope, um, came with a few little tools, a little Bible verse card, um, 
keychains, tattoos, trying to look like my husband with a sleeve <laughs> over here. <laughs> so um, it also comes with podcasts that you get to listen to mo uh, Monday regularly and then devotionals that come through email. And as I was using these types of resources, I quickly realized that no act was too small to grow closer to God. Um, I did find myself leaning on scriptures for strength, um, speaking scriptures for truth, and what I failed to notice until that moment was just how much I actually was letting the devil's lies and doubts just distract me, and I did. I found myself kind of in this, like, this battle of um, negativity. Um, so a lot of the times we think that battles are big. However, I equally think that battles can be small, and a lot of the times it's the small things daily. Um, and the truth is they add up, and those jabs that the devil takes at you uh, really do spiral you or make you doubt or make you fear. Um, and having a God-centered mindset with scripture does really give you power. And that power just didn't over, you know, end with me. It overflowed into my family. Um, our kids now want to memorize scripture. We've created something that we call our daily dose of God. Um, the cards on our pantry turned into a little quiz center. We're like, what is this? What is that? Uh, they've helped our daughter uh, through situations at school, uh, relationships, keychains have become the daily reminder, the tattoos have become conversation starters at work and at the store, um, and even the devotionals and the podcast have shown applicable ways of God's goodness and his loyalty. So out of all the scriptures, I'm at about month five out of 12 uh, that I carry and kind of have made my daily uh, godly mantra is Romans 8.31. Uh, which is actually featured on this card, and it says, what then shall we say in response to this, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And that has given me power um, and really given me positivity and something to hold to um, every day and just really allows me to focus. So when I think about the meaning of dwell, I do think about a place or a space that you just stay in. Uh, memorizing and turning to scripture regularly has reminded me to never settle in your daily life, but instead settle your life daily in God and let his words be loud because the devil really can't argue with that. I am thankful for dwell. Uh, mostly I'm thankful for God and for scripture. Uh, I do encourage you grab an accountability partner. Mine is Raylan, and I am thankful for her, and I do dare you to dwell differently. So if you have any questions about it, please let me know. I want to share with you uh, one more example. Um, so, uh, my wife's mother, her name is Linda, uh, in May 19th of 2016, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if you don't know much about pancreatic cancer, it's one of the most aggressive forms of cancer, usually because it goes diagnosed really late and, uh, and has the opportunity to spread quite a bit. And uh, this was a, a dark and difficult season for my wife and for especially my mother-in-law. And I can't imagine those moments, those dark moments where the enemy is trying to speak so loudly into her heart and into her life. Can you imagine? You, many of you have been through similar things. Just the way that the enemy comes and the, the dark moments of the soul. Um, she fought hard in that season and she used scripture to fight. Uh, I, the way I said that made it sound like, like past tense. Um, give God praise. Uh, as of a few years ago, she is completely cancer-free, and uh, her cancer is completely in remission. We praise God for that. Yeah. I didn't want to leave you, leave you hanging on that. I, 
sometimes I forget. My wife's like, you forgot to tell the end of the story. So, so there's the end of the story. Uh, but during that season, um, I, we were at their house visiting them, and I walked into their bathroom, and they came around the corner, and I was kind of taken back by what I saw on her bathroom door. Here's a picture of her bathroom door. And what this is, uh, oh, well, on her bathroom door. There we go. There we go. Got it. Got it. Uh, what this is, is uh, these are all scripture verses. Um, handwritten. She loves her sticky notes. But these are all the weapons that she was fighting with. And if you zoom in, if you look at these, they're all promises of God. God's goodness, God's grace, God's protection. And she, she had to fight with God's word. Uh, there were times the devil wanted to get her to doubt. Uh, she's, a, she's a great godly woman. I'm so thankful for the, the Christian heritage we have in our family. Um, but I know for a fact, it was hard for her, but there were times when she had to tell the devil where to go. And out loud, right? It's not today, Satan. And that you and I need to do the same thing. We need to fight with the tools that God has given to us. You are not um, who the enemy tells you you are. You are who God says you are. In Jesus Christ, you have spiritual authority over the enemy. We have everything we need to be spiritually strong. So uh, around that same time, um, I noticed another little plaque with a handwritten note above her sink in this little card holder and took a picture of it. And the quotation on it says, Give Satan an inch and he'll be your master. You guys notice uh, the verse that's at the bottom? What verse is it? 2 Corinthians 10.5 Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So I'm going to give you one specific challenge. Everyone can do this. I want to challenge you to pick one verse and memorize it this month. I know it's almost the end of the month, so you get to the end of July, all right? That's my challenge. Pick one verse. You need a verse. If you read scripture, if you, if you look, God will give you a verse that is yours to hold on to for you, that you need for this season to fight the enemy. So what is that verse? Let me give you some pla- possible places to find that. Um, you, can, you can come see Maureen after service and ask her about Dwell, or you can look that up online. Um, Dwell, it's, it's a really great program. Um, on your way out today, um, I think there's some left. If there's not, let me know and we'll get some to you. But I printed off some sheets that look like this. It says, my identity in Jesus. And there's 22 verses on here that talk about who you are in Christ. I, I'll challenge you to memorize all 22 of them. If it takes you two years, do it. Do it. What, what else could you do with your time, right, that would have the same return as spending time memorizing God's word? I challenge you to do that. I double and triple dog dare you. Do it. Do it. Memorize God's word. It will become the foundation for your life that holds you steady um, through life's storms. Amen, church? Will you guys go ahead and stand with me as we pray? And God, we're so grateful uh, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. We're grateful for your word, God. Uh, Just bring us back to that place. Reground us. Recenter us. God, help us to take steps. Give us courage to take steps. God, I pray that you will bring specific verses to mind, that we will be able to latch onto those as, as handle holds to hold us steady in life. God, your word does not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have spiritual authority in Jesus Christ. So God, draw us closer to you. Help us to worship you for who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.